Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. And I trust you will be encouraged as we begin part two of Pain is Inevitable, Misery is Optional. How many of you can't stop what happens to you, but you can stop what happens in you? And pain is inevitable. If you're a living, breathing human being, you will experience pain, but the choice, misery, is optional. You don't have to be miserable. You can make a decision. And if you're living on the planet, you will experience physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, financial pain, marital pain, but you've got to make a choice every day that misery will be optional. And I wrote a book on this in 2010, and I'm speaking uh, last week and this week from the book. And I want to encourage you because I do believe it's a decision we have to make every day that we will not sink into negativity and into victimhood. Yeah, but you don't know how bad it is for me. You don't know who I'm married to. No, you rise above it every hour Every day, pain is inevitable, misery is totally optional. And you'll notice there's an entire pharmaceutical industry dedicated to relieving pain. But pain will come your way, and we try and avoid it, but it is a reality, and we need to learn to know how to, do, to deal with it. Let me ask you this morning, when, when I speak like this, you might say, well, you know, God's on my side. What is it you believe about God? Do you believe that God will keep you from pain? Prepare for disappointment, because even the Lord Jesus experienced pain. In fact, it was the will of the Lord to cause him pain so that you might be forgiven your sins. So here's an interesting thing. If we believe that God will shield us, when pain and and, and difficulties come our way, we won't know how to deal with it. I love what this uh, Nigerian author said. He's a novelist and poet, Chino Akabi, or Akabi, I don't know how to pronounce his name, He says, when suffering knocks at your door and you say there is no seat for him, he tells you not to worry because he's brought his own stool. You see, in your mind, there's no space for it, but I want to tell you something. If you prepare for pain and arm yourself with the decision, pain is inevitable, but as far as I'm concerned, misery is optional, it'll serve you better. So today, under this heading, I want to speak to you on how to enjoy life no matter what. How to enjoy life no matter what. You say, that doesn't sound biblical. It sounds motivational. Wait. We're going to see in the Bible we were taught how to enjoy life no matter what. And uh, you've got to become a person that no matter what happens to you, you determine that your life's going to be enjoyable. Even if you should get COVID, you make a decision. I've got COVID, but I'm going to enjoy life no matter what. I've got COVID, I'm going to speak at the men's meeting, even if I have to record it. Nothing is going to put me in a victim state, in a negative state of mind. I'm going to live above it. Pain is inevitable, but misery is always optional. I was reading about this young boy, Adam Bender, who ended up being a child baseball star. You know why? He focused on what he had, not what he didn't have, because he didn't have one leg. How many of you know we focus on what we don't have, not on what we do have? 
And most of us spend our lives miserable focusing on what we don't have instead of focusing on the good we still do have. Can I just say, if you've got COVID or your family's got COVID, don't focus on the fact that they got COVID. Focus on the fact that they're still alive, that they're still able to breathe and talk. So many people are focused on what they don't have, the looks they don't have, the possessions they don't have. I was reading about this Argentinian beauty queen, 37-year-old Miss Argentina in 1994, Solange Magnano. Some of you are saying, why do you put a picture like that up? I put it up for a very specific reason, because this woman has had, had so much going for her. But guess what? She died on her operating table because she went in for a bottom lift, because she couldn't see what she did have. All she could see is what she didn't have. A friend commenting on the tragedy at the time said this, a woman who had everything lost her life to have a firmer behind. My advice to you is don't do it. You see, we focus on what we don't have. And that's when we become miserable. And I want to encourage you, stop focusing on what you don't have looks-wise. Stop focusing on what you don't have possessions-wise. Determine that each day with the life you have and the gifts you have, that you will enjoy your life no matter what. Now, a well-known passage of Scripture, some of you have quoted this, many of us in this room have preached on it, is from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a prophet, and uh, he was a singer, and uh, he found himself in what we would call collective the collective challenges of life. How many of some of us have collective challenges? You, some, sometimes you meet people and you say, how are you? And you have to wait 10 minutes because they've got collective challenges. Some of us experience that. But we've got to determine despite collective challenges, I will enjoy life no matter what. Now, we're going to look at a back hook and then we're going to look at another Bible uh, person uh, throughout the message. But I want to set the stage and then I'm going to give you eight ways that you can enjoy life no matter what. But Habakkuk says this in chapter 3, and I'm reading from the good news. He says, even though the fig trees have no fruit and the grapes, no grapes grow on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no corn, even though the sheep all die and the cattle stalls are empty, I will still be joyful and glad. Pain is inevitable. Misery is a choice. It's optional, he says, because the Lord God is my Savior. Not just something he knows, now something he experiences. The sovereign Lord gives me strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer and keeps me safe on the mountains. In other words, when I'm on the slopes and I feel I'm going to slip because of what's happening to me, he gives me that sense of I can stand. And though I'm facing collective challenges, God is on my side, and he is keeping me. Is that your experience? It needs to be your experience, because it can be your experience. And if you want to put this in literal terms, he's saying if my business doesn't bring in the profits I expected, or I unexpectedly lose my job, or if my stocks and shares, because of the problems and the wars in the world, end up diminishing and losing their value, if my car gets repossessed and there's nothing in my garage and I have to use public transport, despite all that, I will still be glad because it's a decision. I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful and glad. Pain is inevitable if you're living on a fallen planet. 
misery is indeed optional. Now, as we consider this topic this morning, where do I get this phrase from how to enjoy life no matter what? Well, it comes from the Apostle Paul. And you'll know in the book of Philippians, he was in prison, beaten and in pain. We forget that sometimes. Paul, we imagine, he's almost like in a monastery, sitting behind a desk, and he's writing. And some of the pictures almost convey that. But he was in a dirty, damp prison where rats scurried around and crawled over your body, where if you got beaten up, they didn't come and tend to your wounds, like in the prisons today, where people have got TV and magazines and visits and all sorts of things. This was true prison. And from this prison, he writes to us out of his own experience, telling us, that you need to enjoy life no matter what. How many of you know you could pay attention to someone like that? Not someone who's never had any trouble and he's speaking theoretical motivation to you. This man's been there, done it, and he's saying you can do it too. This is how you do it. And he says here in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Whatever happens, don't let it phase you from trusting God and enjoying your life. And when I come, I'll find you still standing, not negative, not a victim, not submitted to political ideologies, but serving Jesus and trusting in that name that is above every other name. Pain is inevitable, he says, but misery is always optional. And so I want to give you some things here today, because you know what we often do? We confuse life circumstances with God's doings. Why did God let this happen as, as, as though we're living in heaven already? It's like being in heaven and hearing about a car accident. Oh, I thought it wasn't supposed to happen. On the earth, normal. In fact, if you get from A to B without an accident, give God praise. Come on. Because we're living in the fallen world. Now here, Paul gives us some advice on how to rise above pain and to enjoy life no matter what. Number one, don't fight circumstances, flow with them. If you fight circumstances, you will only harm yourself. You have to flow with them. How many of you know we could do nothing about COVID? Hard lockdowns, restrictions, you have to flow with it. You can't complain about it. You only make yourself miserable. No, instead you have to flow with it. What are we going to do? We're going to open church. We're going to close church. We're going to record live. No, we're going to speak live. We're going to do how many services? Are we going to do so many services? Are we going to go to work? No, we can't go to work. You flow. You've got to flow with it, baby. <laughs> Paul found himself in prison in chains. Listen, when you are in chains and you don't flow with the chains, you only end up hurting yourself. I'm in chains. I'm sick and tired of this prison. Every, look what they've, God, look what they've done to me. Guess who suffers? Infection, cuts. But when you flow with it, am I making sense? You see, he couldn't change the prison, but he could change his attitude. And that's what we have to do. He says here in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 17, he says to, to those others, uh, he's talking about people who are, he hears people are preaching, and uh, they, they're preaching with the wrong motives. 
And that could really get you. But I want you to notice what he says. Uh, Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whatever happens, that doesn't matter. Are you getting this? Whatever happens, he says, that doesn't matter. Because I'm going to enjoy life no matter what. You've got to make a decision that you will enjoy life no matter what. No matter COVID, no matter another kind of infection, no matter lock, another lockdown, no matter another variant. I will determine in the midst of pain and suffering to enjoy my life, to enjoy my marriage, to enjoy what God's given me. And if it should be taken away, I will still enjoy it. If you're a property owner in South Africa right now, chances are your property isn't growing in value. Probably for the first time in 100 years, property is not growing stagnant. In fact, it's decreased. A lot of properties that people have bought. In fact, a house that I lived in that I sold six and a half years ago is now on the market for one million rand less than I got for it when I sold it. But what can you do about it? I will enjoy life no matter what. It's a decision. It's a decision and you've got to flow with it. He says here, but that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Listen, you can fret, you can fight, or you can flow. People who understand sea currents will tell you that if you find yourself in the water caught in a current, the best thing to do is not to fight it, but to flow with it, because what happens is it'll take you out to sea, and the more you fight, the more exhausted you get, but if you just wait and you flow with it, it'll bring you all the way around and bring you back to the beach. Easier said than done. We went to Plettenberg Bay one year on holiday as young people, and we both got caught in a rip, rip current and panic, eh? Pastor Wilma started going under the water. I tried to keep her up, and I started calling for help. I'll tell you, a guy appeared with flippers out of nowhere, and he had to have been God sent because he got hold of her, kept up above the water. If you know Plettenberg Bay, the water is seriously dangerous there. And I just put my head down and started kicking like crazy and then found myself lying on the sand with everybody around me on the beach looking at me, and there I lay. <laughs> and feeling guilty that I'd left my wife with someone else. We were just in our 20s. We lay on that beach for an hour in shock. No, no. It, it was the holiday of our dreams. Now listen, even when you go on holiday, pain is inevitable. We jumped in that car. We drove all the way from Plettenberg Bay down to the wilderness. And at the wilderness, we came to our senses. What are we doing? We can't go home. So we booked into a hotel that we found, and we had a memorable holiday there. We did some canoeing, and we recovered because you've got to make a decision. Pain is inevitable, and you've got to flow with the current. Am I making sense? The more you fight it, the more tired you get. The more worn out you get, the harder it is. I love a program on TV. Some of you may watch it. It's called Grand Designs, and uh, people build their dream homes in both uh, uh, Australia and New Zealand. Oh, uh, sorry, also the UK, and I was watching Grand Designs New Zealand, 
and this couple live in Christchurch, and Christchurch had been hit by an earthquake. Some of you may have seen it. And so he was a builder, and he decided to build a new house. Now, here's an interesting thing. Jesus says you mustn't build your house on the sand. He built his house on the sand. The reason is, is he put pylons in the ground and then wooden struts so that the building wasn't attached to the ground. Listen to me. So when the ground shook, his house didn't shake because he wasn't anchored to it. If you are too anchored to circumstances and circumstances shake, so will you. But when you're anchored to him, then when everything shakes, you're like, I expected that. I'm still rooted in him. You've got to be anchored to Christ, and you've got to flow with the circumstances, not fight them. Paul realized that, that if he was anchored to the circumstances, his life would be shaken apart. Number two, the second thing we need to do is develop a thankful spirit. Develop a thankful spirit. Owen Feltham was a British uh, author and poet. He said this, he said, discontent is like ink poured into water which fills the whole fountain full of blackness. When you are discontent, negative, and complaining, it permeates your whole life, not only your whole life, the life of those around you. And it makes everything gloomy and black and negative. And you can't live according to emotions and according to circumstances. You have to rise above and live according to principle. Though the fig tree will not blossom, though there are no grapes, there's no, the cattle have died, the sheep have died, yet I rise above that and I will rejoice in the Lord because I'm anchored to heaven, I'm not attached to earth. And you begin to thank God for what you have. Erwin Litzer in his book, When You've Been Wronged, how's that for a title? He says you can learn to give thanks even if you don't feel particularly thankful, especially when you've been hurt. Thankfulness, like forgiveness, is not an emotion. It's a decision, and you need to practice it. First thing in the morning when you wake up, you don't start with, oh God, would you give me? Oh God, I thank you that my eyes opened, that I am alive. You've got to thank God. Thank God for your family. You say, you don't know my family. You have a family. You've got something to work with. Might be a terrible family. Others have got no family. It's a matter of perspective. Pain is inevitable, but misery is optional, and you can enjoy your life no matter what. Too many people are trying to enjoy life when they have what they think they should have. Life will always give you some kind of a side swipe when you least expect it, and you have to enjoy life no matter what. I've learned that again this week. You have to enjoy life. No matter what. I thank God for His grace. But you can so easily slip into, why did it happen to me? Where was I? Who gave it to me? Must have been one of our team. Got to have a thankful spirit. You know, a thankful spirit is magnetic. Listen, it, it, you, not magnetic and you think, oh yeah, when you're around thankful people, they're magnetic. No, no. When you, when you have a thankful spirit, you attract good things into your life. Henry Ward Beecher was a very interesting man, and he, he spoke about the, the magnetic nature of a thankful spirit. And he said, you know what? If you take a dish of sand and you put iron filings in it, 
and you mix it into the sand, you know, metal, metal filings or from a metal saw, you mix it in the sand. He says, then if you look for the filings, you very often can't even see them. If you try and put your hand through them and look for the filings, you, 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 you very seldom will find, there'll be very little. But just take a magnet and pull the magnet over. Shoop, there they all come out. And he says, sometimes life's like that. Your, your own fumbling fleshly fingers are looking for the blessing. What's there to be grateful in South Africa about? We're just going to the dogs and the next election. What's the point? And then there's load shedding. You can't see or feel anything good, but just run a thankful spirit and all the good stuff that this country has, its beaches, its landscapes, its opportunities, its wealth, buildings are going up, people are driving luxury cars. Listen, there's a lot to be thankful for, and a thankful spirit extracts the good out of every muddy or dirty situation. You know, way back during the 30 years war in 1936, a German pastor by the name of Martin Rinkart, he was burying his congregation. In fact, 5,000 of his church members died in one year. He was burying 15 of them a day. How many of that's pretty serious? That is worse than COVID. In terms of the death rate for one small community. I mean, we talk about a country with a death rate. But he sat down and you know what he did? He wrote what's called a table grace for his children to say. And this is how it went. Now we, now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things has done in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath led us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. He got his kids to rejoice and to be grateful every day because a thankful spirit draws out God's goodness and ignores the negativity in our world. Philippians chapter 1, Paul here speaking says in verse 3, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news. Number three. This is a way you enjoy life no matter what. Become others-centered. Become others-centered. All people who are self-centered don't enjoy life. No matter how much money or good looks they have. Because money does not make up for inner discontent. And the more you're self-centered, the more you think you deserve so the more trouble you get, the more you don't think you deserve trouble, and the more miserable you get. Paul found himself in a prison, and he didn't focus on himself. He didn't become a victim. He focused on others. Isn't that wonderful? Henrietta Mears, the author, said this, the man who keeps busy helping the man below him won't have time to envy the man above him. I've quoted this quote numerous times, Dr. Carl Menninger and it's in numerous of my books, but it bears quoting again. And he says, when you feel depressed and discouraged, then go across the railway tracks and find someone less fortunate than yourself and help them. You will immediately find that your depression will lift. Self-centeredness doesn't help you. That's why COVID was so difficult, because it shut us up in our homes. But listen, when you focus on others, you forget about yourself. Like right now. I apparently am a little bit ill. I don't feel it because I ain't focusing on it. 
I'm focused on you. And the best way to enjoy life, no matter what, is to be others-centered. Some people will tell you, Apostle Andre, you need to be practical and go home and lie in bed. Never. I will enjoy life no matter what. You've got to make a decision. Can you say amen? And you'll notice Paul here, in his letters, he's always focusing on others. Again, from the book of Philippians. and we, We're dealing with the book of Philippians where he's in jail. I thank my God for you every time I think of you. And every time I pray for you all. Yeah, all, that's in America. Yeah, all. But can you see his focus is not on himself? I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. I'm focused on you, not on me. But Paul, what about your trains? Forget about the trains. I'm focused on you are always in my heart. And so it is only right for me to feel as I do about you. For you have all shared with me in the privilege that God has given me both now and while I'm in prison, and also while I'm free to defend the gospel and establish it firmly, God is my witness that I'm telling the truth when I say that my deep feeling for you all comes from the heart of Christ Jesus himself. When you are other-centered, you're living like Jesus. When he hung on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Many of us hanging on the cross, how could this happen to me? Where are you? When are you coming? I didn't deserve this. You know how much good I've done? Check my CV. How many times did I feed the 5,000 and the 4,000? Others centered. You'll be happy. That's why. Listen to me, church. The worst thing you can do during COVID, during the pain, even just this continuing COVID, is for you to stop volunteering. Volunteering gets you out of the house Focused off yourself. If you're still at home and you haven't began to volunteer yet, you need to. You're probably saying, I'm glad I didn't come. He's got COVID. It's enough oxygen and aircon here. I can feel it blowing at the back. I came back through backstage and I nearly got blown away. It's like, this is one of the most healthy environments you could be in. But your volunteering is what you need because it takes your eyes off yourself. You know, I've watched young couples and been in the ministry a long time. We've watched families grow up, watched kids from kids' own grow up and then get married and some of our own team's children growing up. Pastor Chris on stage today, remember when he was just a you know, schoolboy. But the wonderful thing is you see couples get married and they live their lives. They don't have kids yet. They live their lives and they go to the restaurant one night. You know, they had news cafe and then, they, then they're here, then they had saint and then, and then they got the weekend off and then... And they just look, and then a child comes along. <laughs> Rock my world, baby. But you watch them mature, because when a child comes along, you have to be other-centered or you will lose your mind. And there's nothing like a child crying at three in the morning to get you others-centered. Now listen, God will use trouble like a crying child to get you to do stuff that you never thought you could do and to develop a muscle that you didn't think you had because you can't live in a world of convenience, eating out, watching Netflix, and enjoying all the stuff that it seems like everyone else is enjoying. Life is filled with pain, but misery is optional when you are others-centered. Number four, are you being helped? I might have to stop here because I don't have enough time. This clock that they have at Rivers Church is sped up. Is this helping anyone today? Hopefully online at home, you're being helped. This might sound a bit obvious, but you've got to learn how to cope with the unexpected. A lot of people don't 
now to cope with the unexpected. That doesn't mean you must be negative and always expect negativity. But when the unexpected happens, you must go, that's life. Ah, that's life. I've said this many times in speaking about money, but I think it bears repeating today. Some of you will resonate with this. The definition of the average man is this. Someone who thinks that this month is the only month that they will have unusual expenses. See, we're not ready for the unexpected. That's why we don't save. That's why we buy cars to the, to the repayment where there's no breathing room. And we're all living up here. Ex- excuse me, I, I, I'm not living there. But most people are living. And now anything unexpected happens. Lord Jesus, I need to go for counseling. No, you need to live here. So that when trouble comes and the, the interest rate grows up and they announce on TV, huge petrol price increase, <laughs> I flow with it. You've got to learn to deal with the unexpected and to plan for the unexpected. Don't take a bond out that's here and then buy a car that's here. And then when there's a shiver in the world, <laughs> no. If you live here, then as the water rises, like if you go to the beach and you go in the deep water, you, just, you jump on your toes. Just. You might think this is funny. I'll tell you what, this makes a lot of sense. And people who live like this are happy. It took me years to learn this. Because what they do when you buy a car is, uh, what do you want to pay a month? That's not the question. That's not the question. Because at the end of those 60 or now 72 months, there's a balloon. And you have to pay the balloon with interest. So do you want to take the pain now or do you want to take it then? And cars are just tin with plastic. You get all weird and you buy it and then you... And after a year you're like, "Mm, I should have bought the bigger one. I should have bought the 250 or the 300 or the 350 or the 400 or the bigger, bigger version. You'll never be happy. And you envy people who drive luxury cars. They're not that luxurious. Drive a luxury car, that's what you get used to. Now, I'm not saying don't buy a luxury car if you can afford to buy a luxury car. But don't, don't chase stuff. Because you'll end up, when the unexpected happens, you can't cope. So it amazes me when the petrol price is on TV. It's like, they, it's, it's, like, it's like behind the scenes, the editor says, the petrol price is going up. We've got something to tell them this morning to make everyone negative. And then they tell you in the, in the ad breaks, don't go away. I'm going away, baby. I'm tired of listening to the string of negativity. I'm going to enjoy life no matter what. And the unexpected will always happen. Can I tell you, interest rates have been going down for months and months and months. Are you expecting them to go up? If you aren't, you're a fool. Because that's how the world works. The petrol price goes down. It goes down. Then it goes up. Get used to the unexpected, otherwise you'll be miserable. And we always have to have something to talk about, hey? How are you? Uh, did you watch the news? I got caught in that trap during COVID because you're so isolated from, from company, and then you're in, this, you're in this digital bubble listening to this negativity. Oh, my word. We've got to enjoy life no matter what. Can you say amen? Jail Packer said this. She said, we should not be upset when unexpected, upsetting, and discouraging things happen. 
God in his wisdom means to make something of us which we have not yet attained and he's dealing with us accordingly. You know, Jesus said this. He said in John 16, the world will make you suffer, but be brave. I have defeated the world. The world will make you suffer. Get used to it. Expect the unexpected and then learn how to cope. Paul here says in Philippians 1, and we're using Paul as our example, he says, now I want you to know, brothers, and that's the sisters too, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. The unexpected has happened to me, but I'm seeing God in it. Learn to cope with the unexpected. Number five, you still good? Joy, this you need to understand, joy is not found in ideal circumstances, but in eternal purposes. I know that's a long one to type into your phone. That's why you've got a camera. Joy is never found in ideal circumstances, but in eternal purposes. Otherwise, you spend your life looking for ideal circumstances. It's not ideal circumstances. We went on a holiday in December, went away to beach holiday, you know, long time in lockdown, hadn't been on a plane, and I was looking forward to it, you know, but the, you know you have that idealism, and it's a place we've been to before, I remember it, and then when we got there, they took us to our room, I was like, no, almost said no, we didn't come all the way here for this, I mean, that's the way it is, and you get used to it, and then and you complain of it, and then they upgrade you, and then and it becomes pretty good. <laughs> it's never ideal. That beach holiday, that, that picture you saw. How many people haven't booked with travel agents and gone overseas on the holiday of their dream and then they got things like a cabin with odd cutlery in it and spiders and we told you it was rustic. <laughs> There's a couple sharing with us last week. They went away to this bush holiday and it was presented as this and they had to check out and go somewhere else. That's how bad it was. You know, there's, there's no ideal circumstances and uh, ideal circumstances are found when you're in eternal purpose. Viktor Frankl, who lived in a concentration camp for much of his life, the great psychologist who wrote books on meaning, he says, man can endure almost any suffering if he can see a purpose or meaning in it. Conversely, he will be miserable, notice that, even amidst great luxury, if he cannot relate this life to some larger context which makes it meaningful. Those who have a why to live can bear almost any how. We've got to constantly come back to our reason for being alive, and it's not for ourselves, it's to live for the purposes of God. Jesus is Lord of my life. He's not a spare tire in my life. My life revolves around him, and he's lived for him. And Paul wasn't in an ideal circumstance. He was living far away from the people he loved. He couldn't preach live. He couldn't go to church, minister to people, be loved by them. But he reveals this truth to us in the book of Philippians, that purpose always makes pain bearable. If you can't bear pain right now, it's because you've lost sight of purpose. He says in Philippians 1 and verse 1, as he opens the letter, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, not prisoners of Rome. 
He sees his calling before his circumstances. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22, he says, All God's people here send greetings, especially those who belong to the emperor's palace. God's got a bigger purpose for your life than the inconvenience that you're facing. Paul is in prison, but the emperor's palace is being touched, which could never have happened if he wasn't in prison. You know, sometimes you go through pain, but always you need to look through it and say, God has got a purpose because the big question in life is not that I'm comfortable. The big question in life is God using me for his purpose. Number six, did this clock slow down or did you give me more time? Isn't that wonderful? You just make a comment and the clock changes. I feel so powerful today. Hope you're being helped at home. Here's number six. How many are you enjoying the word today? How many are going to make a decision when you leave here? You're going to enjoy life no matter what. Because pain is inevitable. But misery is what? Number six. Cultivate a positive expectation of victory. Always expect to win. I'm going to win in the end. If you read the Bible, you get to the book of Revelation, it tells, you, it tells us we win in the end. We might, be, we might be losing the battle, but we will win the war. Can you say amen? Clint Eastwood is 91. I love what he says. He says, I don't believe in pessimism. <laughs> Some people do. They believe in pessimism. It's their religion. It's their language. Here's Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, being quoted numerous times by both Pastor Bill and I. He says, in conclusion, my brothers and sisters, fill your minds with those things that are good and that deserve praise, things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. Put into practice what you learned and received from me. In other words, how I've coped with my prison and the way I live and both from my words and my actions, he's a, he's a living example for us. And the God who gives us peace will be with you. If you do what I do and you think like I think, no matter what happens, it doesn't really matter. You can enjoy your life because you've made a decision and you've cultivated a possible, positive expectation. We don't... Uh, you know, we don't have the time to read all the verses in Philippians, but he says he has a positive expectation of being released. Paul prayed for that, and he expected it. And we need to have that same positive expectation in our lives. And some people have a negative expectation. I, I remember hearing the funny story of a woman who went to a department store, and you know when, you, when you're in a, in a big department store, once you've paid and so on, they usually say, thank you, ma'am, have a good day. Well, this lady was told, thank you, ma'am, have a good day. She said, I have other plans. You need to start changing your daily plans and start having a positive expectation. Come on now. We need to live our lives with a positive expectation. And when you have that spirit, your life takes on a different dimension. I love what someone once said, enjoy life. This is not a dress rehearsal. Why live for tomorrow and not be enjoying today? Number seven. Some of you didn't think I'd get through this, eh? I proved you wrong. COVID and all. Isn't it good to be in church? I'd rather be doing this than sitting at home with a nebulizer. Number seven, be convinced that God is always in control. No matter what happens in your finances, what happens in our country, we've got to be convinced 
Not just believe, convinced that God is in control. Hmm? You see, when Joseph was in prison in Egypt, he fully believed, despite his circumstances, that God was in control. That's why he had such a positive spirit. That's why he had such a godliness about him. That's why he still gave his best and wasn't a victim. Because he believed, no matter what you do to me or where you send me, God is in ultimate control. Paul gives us some advice here. He says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2, So then, dear friends, as you always obeyed me when I was with you, it is even more important that you obey me now while I'm away from you. Keep on working with fear and trembling to complete your salvation because God is always at work in you to make you willing and able to obey his own purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, in other words, without misery, so that you may be innocent and pure as God's perfect children who live in a world of corrupt and sinful people. You must shine among them like stars lighting up the sky. I do believe that when God is at work in you fully on a daily basis, you do shine like a star and there's less arguing and complaining. You know, I've been, I've been accused of all sorts of things in my ministry and I was just thinking about it this morning as I got dressed, and uh, I remember on TV someone once wrote me a little note, wonderful message, Pastor Andre, pity about you chose to wear those running shoes and dishonor God. (laughs) That's what you get. You get negativity. So that's why I wore these fancy ones that I once bought in America, because I just like them. And if you live your life worried about what people say, you, you, will, you will get negative and you will be discouraged and you've got to watch out how you live because you, you, you constantly argue and complain. But you've got to recognize, well, God will use everything in my life and I've got to respond because here's the thing. I'm talking about arguing and complaining and that's why I mentioned negativity because sometimes you say something, people go off on a tangent in their minds about how, how you're a bigot or it's politically incorrect or racism. They, they find some way to nail every because they, they don't realize that what we preach in here is contrary to what happens out there. The two don't marry. And guess what? It says do everything without complaining and arguing. Yet in our country, we have a culture of complaining and arguing. The minute you don't get what you want, you draw a little sign and you go out in the street and you complain and you argue. Because that's what we fought for. No, that's not what Jesus died for. We've got to be people who enjoy life no matter what. If there's no increase, if there's no wages, there's no this, we are anchored to another kingdom. And the more you focus on this kingdom, the more this thing will shake you. The more it will drown you. But the more you focus on his kingdom, the happier you will be. God knows what's going on in your life, and you need to believe that he is in control. You know, I was reading about a bird called the Guillemot. And uh, they, uh, by the thousands, lay their eggs on the side of a mountain and on narrow ledges. And, and, and there's, there's, there's so many of them, they lay their eggs literally right next to each other. And the interesting thing about the guillemot bird is, is that the eggs all look the same. But if a mother bird, another bird were to come along and take an egg away, the mother comes back, she knows exactly, no, no, that's mine. And she takes it back and puts it back. If a bird can know an egg amongst eggs, how surely amongst the population of the world, God knows you and what you need and what you're facing. 
And Paul understood that. We don't have time to read this. But number eight, I'm going to come to a close. You Make sure Jesus is the center of your life. Make sure Jesus is the center of your life. When Jesus is the center of your life, life's troubles don't stick to you. You become like those non-stick pans. You've got a coating on you that no matter what the heat, it doesn't stick. I love our non-stick pan at home. I make eggs in it. I like to make my own eggs with the lid on because they get like steamed. And then when I'm finished, I pull the lid off and I just take it and I go, shh, 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 in the pan. I don't even need a lifter because it doesn't stick. You need to be someone when stuff happens, you shh, shh, shake it off. Hmm? Paul says here in Philippians chapter one, my deep desire and hope is that I shall never fail in my duty but that at all times, and especially right now, I shall be full of courage, so that with my whole being, I shall bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. He's teaching us that we need to live and enjoy life, no matter what, and realize purpose, and honor God. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.